Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This weekend, as we all arrived in New Hampshire for round two of the GOP primary, I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Ron DeSantis announced that he was dropping out of the race. But that wasn't all. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He also endorsed Donald Trump. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. And took a parting shot at Nikki Haley, who was still challenging Trump for the nomination. So right after DeSantis made it official, my colleague Caitlin and I walked around the lobby of our hotel in New Hampshire, talking to our colleagues about why he fell so flat and what his decision to drop out would mean for Tuesday's primary. Ooh, why do I think Ron DeSantis flopped? People didn't seem to like Ron DeSantis very much. And it really seems like DeSantis completely miscalculated the GOP electorate. I think from looking at New Hampshire, this is not a state where the culture war issues that DeSantis put at the top of his campaign resonate at all. Um, He focused on issues of wokeness when polling showed that Republican voters cared much more about the border and the economy. And he tried to be trump light, and people wanted real Trump. He was still, at points, painfully awkward. If you watched the video he put out announcing the end of his campaign, it really could have been produced by artificial intelligence. When DeSantis drops out, it's hard to imagine his voters going towards Haley. And indeed, a lot of national polling has showed that uh, former President Trump is the number one second choice of voters who were initially supporting uh, Governor DeSantis. So It's pretty clear that most DeSantis voters will go to Trump. And there are not a lot of them, I have to say that. I think now that we're down to a two-person race, the big question is what the margin is between the two candidates. If it's close, we could have a continued race. If he blows Haley out of the water, it's hard to see how this primary continues much longer, which is, of course, uh, what the Trump campaign is hoping for. In other words, DeSantis's decision to drop out doesn't change much at all. It just makes official what was already true. New Hampshire is a two-person race between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Today, a guide to the New Hampshire primary and the distinctly New Hampshire voters who help explain how it could be a close race between two wildly different candidates. From the New York Times in Manchester, New Hampshire, I'm Estet Herndon. This is The Run-Up. Feels Trump rally already. Yeah. We're about to walk by this merch table. President Trump Save America. 
Not vaccinated, fully armed. <laughs> Live big or die, baby. Yeah, yeah, we are in New Hampshire. <laughs> Even before DeSantis dropped out, our plan was to go to a Haley event and a Trump event. Trump is holding a rally at 7 p.m. tonight. It is only, is it what, 12.30? Trump and his supporters came into New Hampshire on a high. All the telltale signs of a Trump rally are in on the street. You got your cars driving past with American flags honking and rallying people up. And you have a big emerging snaking line outside of the arena for people who are here uh, five, six hours early. Before Iowa, polling in New Hampshire showed Nikki Haley within single digits of Donald Trump, driven by support from independents. Since the caucuses, and Trump's 30-point victory over his rivals. The former president has expanded his lead, and that's even before DeSantis dropped out and endorsed him. Nice little remix on God Bless the USA, God Bless Trump in the USA. All righty, let's see how long these folks have been in the line. Hey, how are you? Good. My name's Esteb. This is Caitlin. We're from the New York Times. I wonder how long y'all have been in the line for? Uh, since 9. Since 9 a.m.? Wow. Is there people in here in front of you or were you first here? 7.30. 7.30? is up there. 9 a.m. How have you kept yourself busy? Like, what have you been doing? I've been spacing out the whole day. <laughs> so, it's, too, it's too cold to really think. It's You're cold. well bundled. You got some yeah. gloves. You got... Trump scarf. Yeah. Hat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this might be obvious, but why'd you decide to come, and why'd you decide especially to come so early? I love Trump, wanted to get nice and close. Have you seen him before? Um, inauguration, 2016. Inauguration, 2016, but yeah. this is the first time since then? Yeah. Okay, are you a New yeah. Hampshire resident? Yep. Okay. Uh, I guess I know who you're pr- voting for in the primary. Did you think about any other candidates, or were you always with Trump? Always Trump. What did you think about what happened in Iowa last week? Like, you know, him winning and things, did that change? I kind loved of? it. Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah. it, yep. What are you expecting for New Hampshire? Hopefully the same. Hopefully the same result. There's been a lot of talk how Nikki Haley might be doing better in New Hampshire. I mean, when you're in your communities, when you're around, are people talking about who they're going to vote for? Who do you think is going to win on, on Tuesday? Uh, definitely, definitely Trump. Why, why are you so confident considering, you know, some other people have thought that maybe other people do better? Um, I, I, I go to a, a lot of bars around town, a lot of clubs, and everybody's talking about Trump and how he's going to take it. Yeah. yeah. What's your name? David. All right, well, cool. Nice to meet Thank you, David. You. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, are you guys in line? Um, well, we're about to leave line. Why are you leaving line? Because it's cold, and we just found out it's not open for a few hours. I don't care if Jesus Christ is in there. It's cold, so we're not... Oh, yeah. Best state in the union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little about yourself, how old you are? Like, what? Have you, all, have you always voted? Uh, like, things like that? Like, sure, yeah. I mean... So I've been voting for just two elections. I yeah. voted the first time in 2016. What do you do? I deliver heating oil. I'm a truck driver. Cool. Awesome. I mean, why did you decide to come here? That might sound like an obvious question. Me here, and uh, I've never been to a Trump rally, so it just seemed like fun. And Trump's hilarious, so I mean, you get to see the guy live. But do you plan to vote for? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Did you think about any of the other candidates, or were you always kind of with Trump? Um. Well, I liked Vivek. Uh, he dropped out, so now it's either, you know, Trump or a neocon, so it's an easy choice, right? Have you always been a Republican? I've always been registered Republican, but, like, I guess I'm, I'm like, a libertarian. 
What do you think makes New Hampshire different than a place like Iowa, you know, who just voted last week, kind of went? Well, we're freer. Yeah. We're what do freer. you mean by that? Like, overall, we rank freest. Like, we have the most, like, unique amounts of freedoms here. We have, like, no sales tax. We have no income tax. We have no capital gains tax. We are the only state with no seatbelt law. We have no helmet mandate. We have no state-mandated minimum wage. Uh, we have constitutional carry. You don't have to register your firearms. You can buy fireworks here. We don't have a capital gains tax. We don't have an inventory tax. The models live free or die. I mean, where do you get that many unique freedoms in one state? Yeah, yeah. What do you think it is about those type of freedoms in New Hampshire that might lead it to Donald Trump? Why is that a match? You're comparing to your other options, right? So I guess it's just the closer match, right? Yeah. Compared to, like, Nikki Haley, who wants to go to war oh, with everybody. and Trump's usually errs on the side of, let's not get involved in that. Compared to, uh, let's get involved in Ukraine, let's get involved in uh, this Israel conflict, let's get involved in Afghanistan, let's get involved in Iraq. Every time, let's get involved, like, everyone has their pet, their little pet. They want to, oh, I have a war, I have a war, me too, me too, me too, yeah. me too. And Trump was like, eh, it's kind of stupid. Yeah. And so I respect that, you know. You said um, you said you thought he was kind of funny. How much of Trump's appeal to you is like policy stuff versus his like personality? Eighty percent policy, twenty percent personality. Okay. And what about the personality? It's great. He's just great. He's just funny. He's got good humor, and humor is important. Humor. People are like, oh, well, what, what do you care about with policy and everything? But it's like humor matters because that's like your soul. So it shows a lot about someone if they're actually funny. They're genuinely funny. They're genuinely, because it, it, it shows connection to other souls. And then Nikki Haley's just a straight up soulless, like Hillary Clinton, like Republican counterpart, like completely like just robot, like, like uh, who's the Facebook guy? Mark Zuckerberg style, like all the blood drained out of you, like dead rock, disgusting, Bill Gates style. Ugh. Like you could just throw all those people in a barrel. Thank you for talking to us. Chili? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? No coat? No, you got you got the gloves on, but you. Yeah. how are you doing? Excuse All right. Oh, uh, yo. How long have you been here? Uh, probably an uh, hour and a half, two hours, two hours. Is this your uh, first time seeing Trump, or have you saw him before? Um, I've been uh, doing all the rallies. I've been to Ron DeSantis era, uh, events. I've been to Nikki Haley events. You've been going and, all around. Yeah, but uh, only just to see what's going on and okay. flag waving and stuff like that at their events. But, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, nothing like this. I mean, obviously, who has vendors like this? Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Yeah. There's nothing like it. You will never find. I've been. Where are you, where are you based? Uh, Nashua. You're, you're based here in Nashua, New Hampshire. Yeah. So you got to have some special pride in him being back in your home state for this one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a very corrupt uh, state. We got a dirty uh, governor who's who's tied to the bushes. You know, you realize Governor Sununu, whose father was uh, Governor John Sununu, yep. was chief of staff of Bush Senior, who <laughs> used to talk about the New World Order, right? How has the Republican Party, you think, changed over the years? How has Donald Trump changed the Republican Party? Well, what he did is he exposed all the corruption, right? Now we know who the traitors are, okay? If Donald Trump comes out on top, do you think this primary is over? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, nobody's got a shot. I've put up more Trump signs, 10 times more signs on people's uh, properties and businesses than Nikki Haley has in the entire state, I think. Anything else you want to tell us a little? Yeah, your name a little bit about yourself? My name is Dan. I'm a union carpenter. Yeah, your shirt okay. says Union Carpenters for President Trump 2024. As we walked out, a guy was loudly making his thoughts known with a refrain we've heard many times at Trump events. 
As the arena filled with Trump fans. Uh, thank you very much, New Hampshire. This is a great honor to be with you tonight. We slipped out to check in on Nikki Haley. There's some cars. It's not like empty by any means, but you know. Haley was holding a rally in Nashua, about 30 minutes away from Trump's event in Manchester. You know, there's some Nikki Haley signs outside, but there's not like the type of um, palpable enthusiasm or energy or fandom that you see at the Trump event. While the room was full, it was only about 500 people. And unlike the scene in Manchester, which felt like a tailgate of Trump's biggest fans. I feel like I'm going to like a, a accounting convention. <laughs> this was more quaint. This is Caitlin. We're from the New York Times. We're talking to people about why they decide to come out, why they're supporting Nikki Haley. Maybe you have five minutes to chat with us? <laughs> I'm from Connecticut. Oh, you're from I'm Connecticut. not from New Hampshire. Okay. So Did I don't... you come down specifically for yeah, to come we, up from New um, She's from D.C. I'm uh -huh. from Connecticut, and she's from Ohio. Oh, you all So we came up to do door knocking okay. and push for Nikki. What, what made you all decide to, to get involved then? That takes a different level of commitment. <laughs> um, she's just the candidate that I think would be the best fit for president yeah. um, on the issues and she aligns with my values. Yeah. And, and you know, not too far from here, there's a very raucous Trump rally happening <laughs> right now. I'm guessing like for you all who prefer Haley, like what do you think about the prospect that, you know, it could be Trump again, even as people who I imagine don't want that to happen? So I've been with Haley since she mentioned earmarks at the Iowa State Fair. And I think Trump and Biden were both terrible on spending. I think Trump added to our debt. He increased the deficits. Nikki Haley is a true alternative. She's young, she's optimistic, and she's truly different. Um, is your opposition to Trump more about policy or personality, do you think? Or it could be both. Um, I supported him in the previous two elections, but I would say his personality and I agreed with some of his policies, but I just don't think he's what we need right now. Yeah, so. yeah. how about you? Um, for me, I, I supported him in 16 and in 20, but January was a deal breaker. I think you can put as many good people around him, but he's still Donald Trump and I just can't support it anymore. Yeah. Six and kind of what happened after the election was the deal breaker for you. I, I just lived too close to Washington, D.C. I was afraid for my friends and I, I can't support him any longer. Um, you know, Iowa obviously went Trump's way by a big margin. He's leading here. Like, what's your expectations for on Tuesday? What would you consider success? I mean, we're here because we want to win. Um, I flew here to volunteer because I think her coming in strong in New Hampshire really sets her up for other states. So high expectations, but I think she can win New Hampshire. Yeah. It feels like this state really matters for her, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Can you... What are your names? Yes. Um, my name is Sarah Muska. Awesome. And I'm Courtney Madison. Nice to meet Thank you all. So Thank you guys. Have a good one. The next person we spoke with, Susan, 
was on the same page. She was determined not to vote for Donald Trump. His politics are fine, and I think he did a lot for our country, and I wish they would have finished the wall and, and done a lot of his, you know, the economy was better, all of that. But it's just, he's almost like, um, it's all about me, and thank me, thank me, thank me all the time. Um, he's just, his personality is just too big, too much about himself. You know, I don't like his way he treats women a lot of times. No, right up in Manchester right now, there's this big Trump rally happening yeah. with people lined up outside. We were outside earlier today at 2 p.m. People have been there since 7.30, 9 a.m. How can, like, the Nikki Haley's of the world, how do they catch up with that level of energy? That seems like a different level of devotion. No, I know. I just, I just don't know, but I'm hoping that they will. No, obviously, in New Hampshire, there's a lot of independents who can participate in the primary. There's more Republicans. Uh, who did you back in the, New, in the New Hampshire primary in 2016, if you don't mind me asking? Was Jeb Bush running then? Jeb Bush was still there at the time. I, I, wrote, I wrote Jeb Bush in, yeah. <laughs> so you've, been, you've been seeing some of this Trump takeover from afar of the party. How do you feel about that? Like, how does that, you know, as someone who tried to pick Jeb Bush, Nikki Haley, those are different types of politicians. How has it been watching him kind of take over the party in that time? I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how Trump mesmerizes people. I just, I just don't know. And I'm personally offended by a lot of his personal values. You know, again, what he, what he did for us was good, the economy and all of that, but his personal values, he just seems so vengeful if anyone dares cross him or question him, you know? It's all about him, yeah. For you, would you vote for him in the general election if it came down to him versus Biden? I don't know. Yeah. I might write in Jeb Bush again. <laughs> you that's, how, that's how opposed you feel to him. Yes, but I, um, no way would I vote for Biden, though. Can you describe a Trump rally as kind of like a party atmosphere or, or kind of like a, a tailgate? What is this atmosphere like? Well, I haven't been to a Donald Trump event, but I think this has a lot of energy. This has a lot of um, excitement about Haley, um, but it's much more, um, I don't want to say elite, much more elegant. <laughs> Let's say that, much more elegant. And it's not all about her. It's really about party in the country and how she can serve us, not how Trump can make himself bigger and better and, yeah. Are you a New Hampshire resident? Yes, I am. Are you someone who's going to vote for her on Tuesday? I am. Okay. When did you decide that? When did you make the call? Back when she first announced. Okay. She, she has been so positive and against the divisions in this country. We need to bring the country together and I think she can do that. That's your main reason is the positivity of her message? Yes. Are you someone who's been a Republican? Do you consider yourself a Republican? Well, I consider myself more Republican than anything else. Okay. Although I do have an open mind and I will vote Democratic if a Republican candidate is too extreme. Did you vote for Trump in the general election? No. no never, never voted for Trump. We could not live together in the same house. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, I know that he hasn't because otherwise he would be not. <laughs> I said, I don't know if this is a benefit to you, but um, I said it to someone also who was working for Nikki. She reminds me of the same energy that Hillary had when she was running against Trump. And it's inspiring and invigorating. What specifically but, about it do you think makes you think about that comparison? 
she hit all the points yeah. in her speech. It's the, and it's it, the preparation. It's, okay. And she has a lot of experience, and she's seen everything. Um, and I'm not normally a Republican, so... Are, are you someone who, you're not a Republican? Not really. I'm independent now, but... I, I'm an independent voter, but I will be voting for Nikki. I don't we just left the road in Manchester. We were outside, and there was a big raucous event for Trump, right? Yeah. He's in the middle of this kind of crazy rally happening up there. Like, how do the Haley's of the world match that type of energy? How do they galvanize enough people to be able to combat what seems like a little party atmosphere that Trump has already created? Well, Nikki has a positive message. Trump has a negative message. And that's what you think is going to be the thing that helps her? That is the thing that helps her. Trump is a bully. And he'll lie and say anything that will go for him. He believes if you tell a lie enough times, people believe it is the truth. And he's told plenty of lies. I guess I'm wondering about like, Iowa and those results. When you saw that big margin that he won by, did that worry you any? Did, I mean, anything? Sort of uh, made me more motivated to come out tonight and to vote on Tuesday. Can we just have y'all's names? My name is Chris Bailey. And I'm Carol. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah, so no, much. thank you all. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. No problem. We have a blast. We have a blast. Ladies and gentlemen, one person who was really trying to motivate voters. Please welcome the governor of the great state of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu. Was New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. You guys excited? You got a party war. Look, we got like two, three days to go. The whole world is watching. The country is watching. They're waiting to see, is New Hampshire going to do it again? Is New Hampshire going to show how we're going to do it again? You did right, we are. You're darn right, we are. Look, we have been crisscrossing the state. I have had the honor of crisscrossing. Sununu has crisscrossed the state in recent weeks as Haley's top surrogate ahead of the primary. And uh, with all due respect to, to Iowa, thanks for playing, but give me a break. I mean, you know Trump got 56,000 votes in Iowa out of over 3 million people. Is that's like less than 2%. Is that going to dictate the choice of the Republican Party? Hell no. I don't think so. You know what's going to dictate the choice? You guys are. Now, the key to all this is the vote. Getting out the vote, right? So you guys get it. You're here. The higher the vote turnout, the better chance we have of shocking the world and actually delivering a win. And it's possible. It is possible. Now, she's... What we're trying, what are we After the break, will New Hampshire actually shock the world? The three things we're watching for in tonight's results. In her new book, Attack from Within, former U.S. attorney and MSNBC legal analyst Barbara McQuaid breaks down the ways disinformation works. McQuaid explains why America is particularly vulnerable to disinformation, how authoritarians have used disinformation to seize power throughout history, and she offers solutions to counter disinformation in this election year. Timothy Snyder, author of On Tyranny, says this book is a necessary call to the ethical commitment to truth that all democracies require. Published by Seven Stories Press, Attack from Within is available now wherever books are sold. My name is Thomas Gibbonsneff. I'm a journalist at the New York Times. I served in the Marine Corps as an infantryman. When it comes to reporting on the front line, a lot of the same basics are at play. Uh, you're looking at the map of where you're going. If you're on a paved road, field roads, you know, is there a hospital nearby? 
Is your body armor affixed with the first aid kit? Does everyone know where that first aid kit is? We arrive into a, a military position. I get out of the car. I look at my watch. You know, I set a timer. No more than an hour. I'm listening for drones, jets, check in with the team. Is everyone comfortable? And if they are, then we proceed. Frontline reporting is dangerous, but I think nothing is more important than talking to the people involved, you know, hearing their stories and being able to connect that with people thousands of miles away. Anything that can make something like this more personal, I think is well worth the risk. New York Times subscribers make it possible for us to keep doing this vital coverage. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that at nytimes.com slash subscribe. Okay, Estad, it is Monday morning. We are sitting on the floor of your hotel room in Manchester, New Hampshire. <laughs> Ron DeSantis dropped out of the race yesterday. And we've spent the weekend talking to Haley supporters and Trump supporters. With all of that in mind, what are the main things that we should be watching for on Tuesday, on primary day? I think I'm basically looking for three things. What Republicans do, how motivated they are in respect to Tuesday's primary, what independents do, considering there's so many of them in New Hampshire, and then also what Democrats do. There's some drama on their side also. So take me through the first one of those, what Republicans are going to do. What are you interested in there? What are you looking for there? Well, it's kind of the obvious question. You know, will Donald Trump be as dominant in New Hampshire as he was in Iowa? And will Republicans rally around him in such a way where we see a similar type of 30-point-ish victory? Uh, because I do think the closer it is to 30, the more pressure there will be on someone like Nikki Haley to drop out. The closer it is to maybe single digits, the more reason Nikki Haley will have to keep pressing on to South Carolina. So if the polling is correct and Donald Trump does in the night at the top of the results in New Hampshire— how big is that distance between him and Haley? Okay, so that's Republicans. What about independents? Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really come through both in our own New Hampshire reporting and to talking to the people who follow these different campaigns is just the central importance of these undeclared independents in New Hampshire. Remember, it's an open primary, which means that you don't have to be a registered Republican to participate in the primary. And that gives an opportunity specifically for someone like Nikki Haley to try to appeal to a wider sect than just the hardcore conservative base in order to close the gap between her and Donald Trump. And I think there's been a recent shift in tone that specifically we've seen at Haley that really points to the importance of independence and how her campaign is trying to court them. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? What's changed? When we saw her in Nashua, it was really clear how Haley is being a lot more specific in her attacks against Donald Trump. And then yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, <coughs> but Trump went on this rant at this rally, and he's going off how Nikki Haley didn't allow security into the Capitol. Nikki Haley kept all that from happening. Where was she at the riot? She should have been at the Capitol. What is he talking about? <laughs> I wasn't in D.C. on January 6th. I wasn't at the Capitol. But you know what? Look at Joe Biden two years ago and look at him today. That's just what happens. We have to be honest about that. She is going directly at the kind of age question in the room with both Trump and President Biden. Don't you think we need to have mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75? <laughs> She's bringing back her calls to have mental acuity tests for candidates over 75. 70% of Americans don't want to see a Trump-Biden rematch. 
And she's really framing herself as the last possible person who can stop what feels like an inevitable march to a 2020 rematch. And she's also sharpened her attacks about Trump's own deficiencies. She's gone beyond her normal line of saying that just chaos follows him. You don't befriend dictators and thugs who want to kill us. At the event we were at in New Hampshire, she talked about how he cozied up to dictators, talked about how he added money to the national debt, how he didn't follow through kind of on the general premise of delivering Republican policy victories. And that's all coupled with her kind of core message that she's been saying from the beginning about electability. She's been saying that Donald Trump is someone who can't beat Joe Biden, but now she's going beyond that to say that if Nikki Haley was at the top of the ticket, you would have Republican wins up and down the ballot. So I consider Saturday a kind of preview of the Haley that's been waiting to emerge until it's a one-on-one matchup with Donald Trump. She's been kind of saving her attacks till this moment and premiering them in the last couple of days. And, like, how different is this speech that Haley is giving from the things that she's said before on the trail? Yeah. I mean, from my ears, it was pretty different, particularly hearing the change in her messages from the debates where she was largely not mentioning Donald Trump and focusing on her other opponents till now where she's gotten the kind of one-on-one matchup she wanted. But, you know, I wanted to gut check that kind of feeling. And so I grabbed Jasmine Uloa, the Times reporter who has been following Nikki Haley for months, to try to ask her, okay— Is this messaging new? And if so, when did Haley start talking about Trump like this? This is definitely not the typical stump speech. She has really sharpened her argument in the last few days here. She's really sharpened her case against Trump. She's really been lumping Trump and Biden together as part of this old guard saying we need to move forward. At the line of most people, 70% of people don't want either of them. Yeah, the majority of Americans don't want to see 280, and Trump's in his 70s, but she says the majority of Americans don't want to see two 80-year-olds running for president. Mm-hmm. We often see this with candidates, like, saying their most, like, sharp attacks in, like, the final couple days. Like, what is the campaign's hope? Like, why are they doing this now? Why didn't they do this two months ago? I think, well, she told us this directly herself when we gaggled with her on Friday. She, you know, she said ahead of the Iowa caucuses that the goal was to winnow the field. And now that the field has been winnowed, it's about drawing contrast between herself and Trump. And so I'm really curious to see if it works. Yeah. If she decides to stay in this race and make it to South Carolina, I think the next two, three weeks, we're going to be hearing her really hammer away on these type of attacks to siphon away support for Trump. Because while she can rely on the independence in this state, by the time she's going to go back to her home state of South Carolina, no one knows more than Nikki Haley that that's a real conservative base. The number of independents really shrink when you go from this state to that one. So she's been increasing her attacks against Trump from the right, and that's with the lens forward looking ahead. Great. And so (laughs) you mentioned at the beginning of this that the Democrats are here too. What are the Democrats doing, and what are you watching for in the Democrats' quarter? Yeah, I mean, to understand what's happening on the Democratic side in New Hampshire, you kind of have to go back in time a year. A year ago, after the midterm elections, the Democratic National Committee, the political arm of the Democratic Party, which is functionally controlled by the White House, made the announcement that they wanted to switch the order of the state's voting in the presidential primary. If you remember, Joe Biden made the decision to have South Carolina vote first, And really, in doing so, diminished the importance of Iowa and New Hampshire on the Democratic side. Now, when he made that decision a year ago, 
New Hampshire Democrats were warning the party that they would not be able to comply with that decision because their state law requires them to be the first primary in the country. Lo and behold, a year later, New Hampshire Democrats' prediction was true. The state has scheduled their primary first in the nation as their state law requires, and come Tuesday, they will hold a Democratic presidential primary. What's different is that President Joe Biden will not be participating in this primary because it's not sanctioned by the DNC's new order. And so he will not appear on the ballot. But President Biden's challengers, the long-shot challengers like Dean Phillips, like Marianne Williamson, they are all appearing on the ballot, which has put the White House and the Biden campaign and Democrats nationally in a kind of conundrum. They want to honor their new state order and make clear that South Carolina is the first place where their presidential primary officially starts. But at the same time, they're seeking to avoid the embarrassment of one of Biden's challengers, mainly Dean Phillips, who's invested a lot of money in the state of New Hampshire, to finish above Joe Biden and possibly create bad headlines or create a sense that this president's suffering from a lack of enthusiasm within his own party. So in light of those facts, Democrats in the state have tried to create a write-in campaign around Joe Biden, encouraging New Hampshire Democrats to write in the president's name on Tuesday's ballot so he can finish above all of those other challengers, even though his name is not appearing on the ballot. And that's been the thing that's been happening over the weekend. Some Democratic surrogates like Boston Mayor Michelle Wu or Congressman Ro Khanna of California have spent their weekend in New Hampshire rallying and doing get-out-the-vote efforts, encouraging people to write in Joe Biden's name on the primary ballot. So this matters for Biden narratively, but does it matter in terms of delegates? Like, how much does this race actually matter in real practical terms for Biden? Yeah, it's way more about the narrative than it is about the actual logistic delegates that lead someone to be the presidential nominee. Because since the DNC is not recognizing the New Hampshire primary, this is frankly just a kind of state contest that media and voters will follow, but will not actually matter in terms of the delegates that count at the Democratic National Convention that officially nominates the person to be president. That all starts in South Carolina. What is happening here is more about perception, is more about vibe. There is a narrative out there that's been driven via polling and in some of our reporting that Joe Biden struggles within his own party and within the lack of enthusiasm on core constituencies. The White House wants to nip that narrative in the bud. And one of the ways they think they can do that is by a strong showing on Tuesday by this writing campaign. Right. So you mentioned vibe. And to that point, we spent part of our day on Saturday at this house party in Concord, New Hampshire. Can you describe this house? Or the yard, rather? I mean, this is a real, like, colonial northeast home. We have a lot of yard signs that say, write in Joe Biden. And we have some Biden-Harris signs also on the lawn. There's like at least 30 lawn signs, I'd say. Yeah, I'm selling it. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was um, one of the get-out-the-vote efforts that Democrats have scheduled over this weekend to encourage New Hampshire Democrats to write in Joe Biden in Tuesday's primary. And this one was interesting. I mean, Congressman Ro Khanna of California was there. There was a lot of um, uh, state Democrats from New Hampshire who were there. What we need to do, everyone needs to do on Tuesday, I'm going to go out and I'm going to write in Joe Biden. And I'm going to remember to fill in the bubble by by his name. And every one of you needs to do that as well and make sure that your friends and neighbors are doing that. You know, after the speeches, Ro Khanna held a gaggle with the media where he took questions about the campaign. And I decided to ask him 
considering you spent so much time here talking to people about the DNC's decision, I just want to know your personal, like, was that a mistake for the DNC to switch the order and kind of leave New Hampshire out to dry? Was it a mistake that the Democrats changed the state order, considering now they've left President Biden at risk of a kind of embarrassing result? I think we'll have plenty of time uh, after this cycle to make sure that we have the diversity of this nation represented. And my view is that having uh, the four states, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, Michigan, all having a a critical role uh, is important. And I I think the DNC will figure out how to do that. But come Tuesday, there is a risk that President Biden finished, you know, you're here doing a campaign for him to not have that moment of embarrassment on Tuesday. Was it a mistake for them in this cycle to switch the order in the way that they did? What I believe is that the president's motives of wanting to elevate the voices of uh, uh, of black and uh, and brown communities uh, was correct. They that motive in terms of what what motivated uh, him, but it has to be done also with recognizing the history and tradition of New Hampshire, so that uh, no one's delegates get disqualified. And I think that we will work towards that uh, that outcome. But you know when. 40% of, uh, of people who were enslaved came through the port of Charleston, and the president is saying that we have to have a recognition of that history in this country and that that voice has to matter. I think people even in New Hampshire recognize the importance of that, but that we also have to recognize the 100-year history here and the history of uh, civic activism. And the, the, the primary challenge of the order is really the challenge for the country. How do we embrace voices that have been excluded while also appreciating the strength of our traditions? And those are not easy questions. And it, it, but I believe our party will work it out by 2028. And for now, I think whether it's New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, or Michigan, we'll all be unified uh, behind Joe Biden. I'm certainly watching it to see how it ends up, but it's not going to tangibly matter in the race for the Democratic nomination which, you know, is not much of a race at all, at least to this point. This is exciting, though. We're we're a primary day. First in the nation. Yeah. Is it exciting? Are you excited? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm excited in the same way that, like, I think um, before Iowa, I was really exhausted with the idea of talking about how people were going to vote without them voting. And so one thing that I appreciate about these days is, you know, we can talk less about polling and more about how people really express themselves. And, you know, the funny thing is I thought we would get, like, a bunch of these kind of primary days in the next couple months. But because of the unity of the message that we've been getting from Republicans, we might have to <laughs> we might have to savor this one, considering it might be one of our final competitive primary days. That's the New Hampshire primary edition of The Run-Up. We'll be back on Thursday. The Run-Up is reported by me, Estet Herndon, and produced by Elisa Gutierrez, Caitlin O'Keefe, and Anna Foley. It's edited by Rachel Dry, Lisa Tobin, and Franny Kartoff. With original music by Dan Powell, Marion Lozano, Pat McCusker, Diane Wong, Sophia Landman, and Alicia Baitoup. 
It was mixed by Sophia Landman and Chris Wood and fact-checked by Caitlin Love. Special thanks to Paula Schumann, Sam Dolnick, Larissa Anderson, David Howfinger, Maddie Massiello, Mahima Chablani, Tara Godvin, Jeffrey Miranda, and Michael Gold. Do you have a question about the 2024 election? Email us at therunup at nytimes.com. Or better yet, record your question using the Voice Memo app on your phone, and then send us the file. That email again is therunup at nytimes.com. And finally, if you like the show and want to get updates on latest episodes, follow our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, y'all. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if the sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.